This episode could be triggering for sensitive listeners and contain mature content. It may not be suitable to all listeners. Should you need any emotional assistance, please see the show notes for telephone numbers that you can call. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and do not reflect the official policy or position of the podcast. Any content provided by contributors such as the host, guests, bloggers, sponsors or authors are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, group, club, organization, company, individual or anyone or anything. Before we start, I would like to wish Maya and Sabrina a very happy 18th birthday. You have blossomed into such amazing young woman and your family is incredibly proud of you. I am writing you with much concern after having read of your hearing to decide whether the alternative theory of intelligent design should be taught along with the theory of evolution. I think we can all agree that it is important for students to hear multiple viewpoints so they can choose for themselves the theory that makes the most sense to them. I am concerned, however, that students will only hear one theory of intelligent design. Let us remember that there are multiple theories of intelligent design. I and many others around the world are of the strong belief that the universe was created by a flying spaghetti monster. It was he who created all that we see and all that we feel. We feel strongly that the overwhelming scientific evidence pointing towards evolutionary processes is nothing but a coincidence put in place by him. It is for this reason that I'm writing you today, to formally request that this alternative theory be taught in your schools, along with the other two theories. In fact, I will go so far as to say, if you do not agree to do this, we will be forced to proceed with legal action. I'm sure you see where we are coming from. If the intelligent design theory is not based on faith, but instead another scientific theory, as is claimed, then you must also allow our theory to be taught as it is also based on science, not on faith. Some find that hard to believe, so it may be helpful to tell you a little more about our beliefs. We have evidence that a flying spaghetti monster created the universe. None of us, of course, were around to see it, but we have written accounts of it. We have several lengthy volumes explaining all details of his power. Also, you may be surprised to hear that there are over 10 million of us, and growing. We tend to be very secretive, as many people claim our beliefs are not substantiated by observable evidence. What these people don't understand is that he built the world to make us think the earth is older than it really is. For example, a scientist may perform a carbon dating process on an artifact. He finds that approximately 75% of the carbon-14 has decayed by electron emission to nitrogen-14 and infers that this artifact is approximately 10,000 years old, as the half-life of carbon-14 appears to be 5,730 years. But what our scientist does not realize is that every time he makes a measurement, 
The flying spaghetti monster is there, changing the results with his noodly appendage. We have numerous texts that describe in detail how this can be possible and the reasons why he does this. He is, of course, invisible and can pass through normal matter with ease. I'm sure you now realize how important it is that your students are taught this alternate theory. It is absolutely imperative that they realize that observable evidence is at the discretion of a flying spaghetti monster. Furthermore, it is disrespectful to teach our beliefs without wearing his chosen outfit, which is, of course, full pirate regalia. I cannot stress the importance of this enough, and unfortunately cannot describe in detail why this must be done, as I fear this letter is already becoming too long. The concise explanation is that he becomes angry if we don't. You may be interested to know that global warming, earthquakes, hurricanes and other natural disasters are a direct effect of the shrinking numbers of pirates since the 1800s. For your interest, I have included a graph of the approximate number of pirates versus the average global temperature over the last 200 years. As you can see, there is a statistically significant inverse relationship between pirates and global temperature. In conclusion, thank you for taking the time to hear our views and beliefs. I hope I was able to convey the importance of teaching this theory to your students. We will of course be able to train the teachers in this alternate theory. I am eagerly awaiting your response and hope dearly that no legal action will need to be taken. I think we can all look forward to the time when these three theories are given equal time in our science classrooms across the country, and eventually the world. One third time for intelligent design, one third time for flying spaghetti monsterism or pastafarianism, and one third time for logical conjecture based on overwhelming observable evidence. Sincerely yours, Bobby Henderson, Concerned Citizen. This is Decoding Cults, and I'm your host, Paulsy. You are listening to The Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. The letter you just listened to was the letter that began it all. The content I cover in this podcast is pretty rough, so I've decided to look at a brand new belief system, one that started all the way back in 2005. It's not a cult as I would define it, but I thought it might be a nice break from all of the heavy subjects I cover. I'd also like to just point out that no offense is meant to any religion in any of the material. I'm just stating their beliefs and customs. On SpaghettiMonster.org's About page, it states, quote, The Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, after having existed in secrecy for hundreds of years, came into the mainstream just a few years ago. With millions, if not thousands, of devout worshippers, the Church of the FSM is widely considered a legitimate religion, even by its opponents, mostly fundamentalist Christians, who have accepted that our God has larger balls than theirs. Some claim that the church is purely a thought experiment or satire, illustrating that intelligent design is not a science, just a pseudoscience manufactured by Christians to push creationism into public schools. 
These people are mistaken. The Church of FSM is legit and backed by hard science. Anything that comes across as humor or satire is purely coincidental. End quote. Now, let's go back to the beginning. If we look at academic studies of the origins of religion, they can be traced back to the dawn of human consciousness and our innate curiosity about the world and our place in it. As early humans observed the cycles of nature, the awe-inspiring power of natural forces, and the mysteries of birth, death, and the afterlife, they began to formulate explanations and seek meaning beyond the physical realm. Animism, the belief that everything in nature possesses a spiritual essence, was one of the earliest forms of religious expression. It stemmed from the belief that spirits and supernatural beings resided in the elements of the natural world, such as animals, trees, rivers, and celestial bodies. These early spiritual beliefs served as a way to establish a connection with the divine, seek protection, and navigate the complexities of existence. As human societies progressed, religion evolved alongside cultural and social developments. The emergence of agricultural practices and settled communities led to the development of agricultural religions, in which fertility deities played a prominent role. These religions revolved around rituals and ceremonies aimed at ensuring bountiful harvests and securing the well-being of the community. With the rise of more complex societies, the pantheons of gods expanded, often representing various aspects of life and natural phenomena. Additionally, religious leaders, such as priests and shamans, emerged as intermediaries between the human and the divine realms, interpreting sacred texts, performing rituals and guiding the spiritual life of community. Thus, religion evolved as a means of explaining the mysteries of existence, promoting social cohesion and providing a moral compass for individuals and societies. In saying this, I am in no way disregarding anyone's belief system. I too subscribe to one. There are many different belief systems and religions all over the world. Some, like the Greek or Egyptian gods, have faded over time. Others, like Christianity, Hinduism and Islam, have stayed the course. Many Western countries, although politically secular, have a majority Christian population. In the US, there have been many instances where certain teachings were either adopted into or taken out of the curriculum based on people's beliefs. The state of Tennessee introduced the Butler Act in 1925. This law in part stated, quote, that it shall be unlawful for any teacher in any of the universities, normals, and all other public schools of the state which are supported in whole or in part by the public school funds of the state to teach any theory that denies the story of the divine creation of man as taught in the Bible, and to teach instead that man has descended from a lower order of animals. End quote. Teachers who were caught and found guilty of teaching this idea would be fined between $100 and $500 per offense. I did find it interesting that Tennessee is part of the Bible Belt in the US. For those of you who have not listened to my previous episodes yet, 
I'll give you a brief explanation. The term Bible Belt is usually used to describe these 10 states. Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Arkansas, South Carolina, Tennessee, North Carolina, Georgia, and Oklahoma. The 10th is Utah, which is included from a religious point of view, but is not commonly referred to as part of the Bible Belt. Strange but true. The term Bible Belt includes Southern Baptists, Methodists, and Evangelical Protestantism belief systems. A recent survey found that Mississippi is the state with the highest percentage of very religious Americans. These state inhabitants are mostly conservative Christians. In July of 1925, the state of Tennessee sued high school teacher John Thomas Scopes. Although he didn't have a full recollection of the teaching of evolution, he had decided to incriminate himself to continue with the trial. He thought that this trial would be thought-provoking, and it was. This caused quite a stir and would later become known as the Scopes Monkey Trial. He would be found guilty and fined $100, which is about $1,700 today or 30,000 rand. The verdict was, however, overturned a while later on a technicality. It did, however, accomplish the goal of sparking debate over this matter. Even though Kansas as a state does not form part of the Bible Belt, it does border some of the states in the Bible Belt, and some researchers have claimed that there are areas within Kansas which could be considered as part of the Bible Belt. In 2005, the Kansas Board of Education adopted new standards that reintroduced the teaching of evolution and removed the language promoting intelligent design. This once again sparked the great debate between science and religion. This debate prompted a 24-year-old physics graduate, Bobby Henderson, to write an open letter to the Kansas School Board. This is the letter which you heard at the start of the episode. When Bobby received no reply from the board, he published the letter on his website. The letter went viral. At first, the flying spaghetti monster was used as a symbol in the fight against teaching intelligent design in public education. In November of 2005, the Kansas State Board of Education voted to allow criticism of evolution, including language about intelligent design as part of testing standards, but... By this time, the flying spaghetti monster had taken on a life of his own. In December that year, Bobby was given an advance to write a book. The book was titled The Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, and thus the Pastafarian faith came to be. In the documentary I Pastafari, they follow a few people who chose to follow this newfound religion. One gentleman from Belgium decided that he wanted to wear a colander as his official religious headwear in his driver's license photo, and he won the right to. There was a case in the Netherlands as well, but the courts kept hinging on the fact that most of the beliefs are satirical. In the end, they were denied their right to be recognized as a religion. Now, let's look at some of their beliefs. At the start of the book, they state that they stand for all that is good and stand against all all that isn't good. 
The flying spaghetti monster is a mouthful to say, so I'll be referring to him with his acronym, the FSM. To start with, the FSM is believed to be a deity, which consists of a clump of spaghetti with two meatballs for eyes and noodly appendages. This caricature is meant to highlight the absurdity of teaching religious creation stories in science classrooms alongside or instead of evolutionary theory. The belief is that the FSM created the universe and some planets around 5,000 years ago. He then spent some time placing various items within the universe and on Earth to make it appear that the universe and the Earth is much older than it actually is. They explain that whenever any artifacts are carbon dated, the FSM swoops in and changes the result to make the items look much older than they are. Then, around 2,500 years ago, the FSM showed himself to some of his people, and those who chose to believe opted to live in a certain way. Quote, on the water in great wooden ships loaded with grog, swag, and hopefully wenches. This was his will, and so it was done. End quote. They believe that because we share 99.9% of our DNA with pirates, it is more likely that we have descended from them. Thus, pirates are the FSM's chosen people. He goes on to claim that pirates get a bad rap, and are actually good. It is said that the first pirates, or pastafarians, were peaceful, loved to explore, and gave sweets to kids. This last bit is how Halloween started, according to the book. They also believe that when you pray to the deity, it would be better to do so with an eye patch or a pirate bandana. Pirate regalia is also their traditional wear. The followers are taught that wearing an eye patch is a reminder that other people do not see the world in the same way that you do. At the back of the book, there is a template of the insignia which you can use to print onto your bandana or any other item that you want to. Oh, and all prayers are ended with ramen. Just as an aside, ramen is a Japanese noodle dish. It consists of Chinese-style wheat noodles served in a broth. Common flavors are soy sauce and miso, with typical toppings including sliced pork, nori, Menma and scallions. They also believe that the FSM went to a lot of trouble to make people believe in the theory of evolution and hiding the role of pirates in our origins. Bobby does, however, state that it is not known why the FSM would do it this way. The Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster is not written in a way that many mainstream sacred texts are. It does, however, make you think while using humor to do so. Well, at least in my opinion. One of the thoughts which are laid out in this book is the fact that climate change, the increase in hurricanes and earthquakes, can be directly correlated to the decline in pirates from the 1800s to date. A graph depicting this was included in the letter which Bobby had sent to the Kansas Board of Education. When life seems a little hard they tend to ask themselves, WWAPD, or what would a pirate do? The answers, well, a pirate would drink some grog, obtain themselves a parrot, 
find a band of marauders, obtain by any means a ship, and find a winch. There is a disclaimer on this last one, where if you are orientated to the same sex, this is perfectly acceptable too. And lastly, when in doubt, plunder. Most religions have a set of rules which they abide by. Like in Christianity, there are the Ten Commandments, such as you shall not kill and steal and so forth. As a pastafarian, they have a set of these as well. They are called the Eight I'd Really Rather You Didn't. Number one, I'd really rather you didn't act like a sanctimonious holier-than-thou ass when describing my nudely goodness. If some people don't believe in me, that's okay. Really, I'm not that vain. Besides, it's not about them, so don't change the subject. 2. I'd really rather you didn't use my existence as a means to oppress, subjugate, punish, eviscerate, and or, you know, be mean to others. I don't require sacrifices, and purity is for drinking water, not people. 3. I'd really rather you didn't judge people for the way they look, or how they dress, or the way they talk, or well, just play nice, okay? Oh, and get this in your thick heads. Woman equals person. Man equals person. Samey, samey. One is not better than the other. Unless we're talking about fashion. And I'm sorry, but I gave that to the woman. And some guys who know the difference between teal and fuchsia. 4. I'd really rather you didn't indulge in conduct that offends yourself or your willing, consenting partner of legal age and mental maturity. As for anyone who might object, I think the expression is, go F yourself. Unless they find that offensive, in which case they can turn off the TV for once and go for a walk for a change. 5. I'd really rather you didn't challenge the bigoted, misogynist, hateful ideas of others on an empty stomach. Eat, then go after the bee. 6. I'd really rather you didn't build multi-million dollar churches, temples, mosques, shrines to my nudely goodness. When the money could be better spent, take your pick. Ending poverty, curing disease, living in peace, loving with passion and lowering the cost of cable. I might be a complex carbohydrate omniscient being, but I enjoy the simple things in life. I ought to know. I am the creator. 7. I'd really rather you didn't go around telling people I talk to you. You're not that interesting. Get over yourself. And I told you to love your fellow man. Can't you take the hint? 8. I'd really rather you didn't do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you're into, um, stuff that uses a lot of leather, lubricants, Las Vegas. If the other person is into it, however, pursuant to number 4, then have at it take pictures, and for the love of Mike, wear a condom. Honestly, it's a piece of rubber. And if I didn't want it to feel good when you did it, I would have added spikes or something. When FSM believers would like to spread his good word, they have a few guidelines which they can adhere to. These are that they are not assholes, and they deliver the word but let people decide if they would like to join. They can encourage people to try the religion for 30 days, and if they don't like it, they can go back to their own.
members of other religions should be approached with care. When wearing an eye patch while spreading the word, remember that objects may be closer or farther than they appear. It also goes on as to how to approach different kinds of people. Religions have different teachings around the afterlife. Some believe in heaven and hell, some believe in reincarnation, some even think that when you drop your body you go onto a planet called Targa 2. In any event, Pastafarians also have a version of heaven and hell. To them, heaven is a magical place with a beer volcano and a stripper factory. They speculate that their hell is similar to the heaven, except that the beer is dull and the strippers have STDs. They also say that atheists, or people from other religions, will not necessarily end up in their hell, but they will most likely not end up in the best parts of FSM heaven. Many religions celebrate holy days or have holidays, like Eid, Diwali, Christmas, etc. Pastafarians also celebrate these types of days. Firstly, they celebrate Passover. This holiday happens alongside Christian Easter and Jewish Passover. This is celebrated by eating large amounts of pasta, preferably spaghetti, to celebrate when the FSM first began touching people with his nuclear appendage. Next, they celebrate Ramadan. This falls within the Islamic period of fasting. During this time, Pastafarians spend a couple of days in the month eating only ramen noodles, or as we call them here in South Africa, two-minute noodles. This is to help them appreciate what they have accomplished. And at the end of Ramadan, Pastafarians are encouraged to give their extra noodles to those who are more needy. Additionally, they deem Halloween as a very important holiday. They claim it honors a time when pirates roamed the earth in freedom. On this day, Pastafarians dress up as pirates and pass out candy to children, like the pirates of old. They also quote, urged to travel their neighborhoods, if not the seven seas, in search of wenches and grog, end quote. Another day which they love to celebrate is International Talk Like a Pirate Day, which is on 19 September, where all Pastafarians can celebrate their pirate roots. Friday is seen as the most holy day for Pastafarians. Members are encouraged to take it easy and try to find some sun. Quote, Fridays are dedicated to the ideals beholden in the beer volcano and the stripper factory, and one can do no more to honor his newly appendage than observe Fridays with the utmost piety. End quote. Finally, they celebrate holiday. Yes, you heard right, it's called holiday. This holiday is celebrated over December and part of January. There is no specific information about how exactly it is celebrated in the gospel, but I guess it'll involve eating pasta and exchanging gifts. Another one of their approaches is that they reject dogma. They do believe that they are right in their belief in the FSM, but are open to the fact that there may not be a flying spaghetti monster at all. Anyone can join the faith. And if you want to become an ordained member, you can buy it for $59 or around 1,100 Rand. 
With this, you receive a pack and can then officiate as a minister within the church of the FSM. At the end of the day, faith is a deeply personal and often intangible belief or trust in something, typically without tangible evidence or absolute certainty. It goes beyond empirical knowledge and relies on conviction or confidence in the existence, truth or reliability of a concept, idea or higher power. Faith can be related to religious beliefs, where individuals trust in the existence of a divine being or spiritual reality. However, it's not limited to religious context, as people can have faith in various aspects of life, such as the goodness of humanity, the potential for personal growth, or the pursuit of meaningful goals. Faith often serves as a guiding force that provides hope, comfort, and purpose, shaping our values and actions, even in the face of uncertainty or challenges. If you think about it, the Book of Mormon was only written in 1823, and it is now one of the sacred texts of the Latter-day Saints. Dianetics was written in 1950, and now Scientology is seen as a church. Yes, I know you rolled your eyes, but just go with me here. So, who knows? Maybe in the next 50, 70 years, maybe the FSM will be seen as an accepted deity too. Thank you for indulging me in something lighter today. And a special thanks to NJ Hawkeby from the podcast A Cry Most Queer for lending his vocal talents in reading the letter at the top of the episode. We will be tackling the heavy stuff again in our next episode. I'd just like to remind everyone that August is International Cult Awareness Month. There are a few places where you can get resources like igotout.org and the International Cultic Studies Association website icsahome.com. You can also donate money or time to the Aftermath Foundation who help people who have escaped from Scientology. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and rate and review us. It will go a long way into improving the podcast and helping others find it. Please invite your family and friends to listen too. If you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe and like the video. You can leave a comment if you want. You can find us on Facebook and you can email me at decodingcult at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. If there are any topics around the workings of cults which you would like further explanation on, or if there is a cult that you would like to hear about, email me or post it in the Facebook group. Remember to go and check out By Design Crafts SA and Endeavor AV and tell them that I sent you. The amazing logo art was created by the tattoo artist Jock Jacobs. Thank you so much for listening.